What's going on? It's time for another episode of Too Hard for the Radio, transmitting from the future free state of Greater Idaho. I am the one-armed madman. And from the badlands of southern Montana, we've got us a new, a fresh new electric bike mechanic. It's Nolan J. Cerveny. What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, I'm good. Glad to be home. Uh, two weeks in Milwaukee. Uh, quite a long time. Yeah, making you uh, making you an electric bike mechanic, right? So how how are how are you are you going to be good at these things? Are you all set for for the new wave? Oh shit, no, it's it, nothing with the live wire. Oh, it was just uh, well, it was yeah, it was electrical diagnostics. Oh well, I mean, the the company's going to be all electric someday. You're heading all in, the, and they sent you back there to learn how to work on a gas powered bike. What yeah. kind of bullshit uh, is this? I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I, <clears throat> I didn't even... Somebody asked something about the live wire, one of the other dudes in the class, and um, yeah, they're, they're, they weren't really saying much about any of it. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, they're yeah, definitely I, I, not I knew, moving towards it. Yeah, I, I knew you weren't there doing the live wire yeah. thing. I was yeah, obviously yeah, fucking yeah. joking. But like... <laughs> It's so wild. Like you sent me some pictures and they got some bad, like if you were just going off of like the pictures that you sent me, like, all right, I've got a buddy who's going to Milwaukee to learn how to mechanic for Harley Davidson. I don't really know all that much about the company. You know, we haven't, haven't dug into any of the articles or anything like that. And you go like, just based on the pictures, you look around like, damn, this place, they got their fucking shit together. Yeah, the that's one thing I, I wanted to say. Like um, coming from the Japanese side, uh, and you know, only riding sport bikes and Japanese cruisers or, or whatever for the majority of my experience. Um, the uh, like the whole the whole core thing of the company that I keep getting told is the heritage and lineage and all that stuff. And at first, it was you know, I'm just kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, cool, and. Um, and it, spending more time in Milwaukee, the school is actually at the the old original factory that's right across the street from their old home. I, you know, it just eventually just gets kind of contagious. And just being in these buildings where they were actually building them, um, started building in, I want to say like, I want to say that building started in like 1906, something like that. They started building. I think it. oh, like I think oh six and oh eight are like some of the earliest, if I if I remember right. I mean, maybe they were doing them in the 1800s, but they were probably still bicycles at that time. I think 1903 is well. I mm. think I believe that's when they officially became like Harley Davidson or whatever. But uh, but yeah, being being in all those old buildings and stuff, it just kind of like. It, you, you can't help but uh, feel that, that like, you know, heritage a little bit. And it's, uh, like I said, it's a little contagious. It's, it's kind of cool, uh, aside from the current uh, <laughs> political atmosphere choices and things that are going on. It's, uh, you, it's I, wild you, because, like, when you look at those pictures and, like, all those bikes and stacked up and they've got those nice lifts for putting things up and down. Those are real slick stacking bikes. And you yep. would look at it and you, and then you read about the, the management and you just go, what the fuck is going on here? 
Like, how is this management group able to keep this together? And like, it's kind of scary when you look at like, I don't know about you, but I'd be a little bit nervous. Like, oh man, it's like, I really hope they don't destroy this, you know, the greatest bike company ever, ever. The lo- you know, yeah, the <laughs> oldest, the oldest motorcycle company. <laughs> It's, it's wild, but like that you gotta hope it's too big to fail, kind of. You know. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's wild that like they haven't been able to expand. Like, why haven't they built a dirt bike? I mean, it's so fucking crazy. Like, we need an American manufacturer. Harley's right there. Like, maybe they buy Suzuki, and you know, because Suzuki's on yeah. their way out the door, anyways. Like, maybe you buy. Maybe that's the move. You buy Suzuki. So you don't need any R&D, right? Like you would obviously still need a lot of R&D, but you would have a decent platform right off the bat to work with. And you can say, all right, now we can go to town on this thing and make it a Harley Davidson and make it, you know, a bike that American dirt bike riders are going to want to own. That they're going to be willing to spend the extra $1,000 on or $2,000 on whatever it ends up being. But, you know, imagine the pipes they could put on these things. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like with the uh with the Pan America, um apparently I can't remember if it was like the day or the week that it was released, it jumped right to the number 1 um um adventure bike. Yeah, yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. So, it's I mean, a I think bike. I think I think they have that the you know, the backing, the the people's vote that they're going to support the majority, I guess, except for the live wire, they're gonna support. Yeah, dude, it's it's uh, wild that, that like of all the things, like yeah, here we launched an adventure bike and it became our number one seller right off the bat. And what are we gonna do? Go drop a, a two hundred and seventy million dollars on an electric bike that nobody wants? That we like, we've proven that nobody wants it. It's not like they can say, oh well, you know, the buzz isn't quite there or something like. No, they produced plenty of these fucking things. And they're not selling. People don't want them. Shit, I, I kind of hope. I, I I have no idea what the current price is on one, but that might be kind of fun once they, once it becomes like the DeLorean, where they just have a shit ton of them and they're just selling them off like <laughs> for the price of scrap. Dude, just grab one. <laughs> I'm not even completely convinced that they're going to go into full production on these things. I wouldn't be surprised if the whole division folds in a few years and they just go, oh, well, jock it up to money lost. You know, they fire the they fire the CEO and say this was a stupid idea. We're going back to our core values and we're going to bang out bikes that people actually like. Yeah. And that might be the best thing, unfortunately. And like it might even it might even cause a bankruptcy or something like that. But like you said, I think too big to fail in a lot of ways. So even if they did go bankrupt, I don't think it would like cause them to stop producing and selling bikes i think they would just have to restructure and you know go through bankruptcy it'd be a big thing but it'd set production back for sure yeah but you know i was like i had on the last episode magooch was on and uh, we were talking about bike aesthetics and i was looking around at different bikes and it's just like you know i wasn't i'm not a fan of the harleys they're putting out right now uh i think they have the this front fairing thing that's going on it's like a it's like a, a hornet's head or something. I, I'm not into the new front fairings that they've been putting out on these bikes. Ducati you, makes a couple of nice looking bikes, but it's pretty fucking sparse out there for, you know, 
I, I think Indian probably makes the best looking bike right now. Of all the like mm. bikes that I was looking at overall, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. Indian probably is is doing it the best. Uh, they have a really nice cruiser, soft hill, flat black. It's got like removable, uh, you know, saddlebags. It's fucking slick looking. But. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Like there, so there's like the road glide and the street glide are basically the main uh, uh, baggers that they produce with front fairings. And I feel like, I feel like there's only so much you can do with, you know, well, it's like, a, a see on my bike, on it, bike, it's got a flatter front fairing and you know, like yeah. even on yeah. Buell, they did it. So they made two different styles. They did the, I can't remember the lightning and then the blast and the blast had this hornet head looking bubbly fairing on it. it it's hard to describe, but it, to me, it looks like a hornet's head. It's kind of this big, bubbly thing, and I like a flat fairing a lot better. Like I actually, I sent you a picture of it today and a while back. Uh, Zero is putting out that new electric bike, but it looks pretty oh. damn cool. I don't know if if you saw yeah, that one. I, I saw it. I I saw the picture. I I was look. I read like the headline, but oh, they were all jacked up on it. Yeah, yeah, they were. The, the articles just gushing. You know, they're just all jacked <laughs> up over the stuff, but. Uh, speaking of Ducati, uh, we've got some Ducati news today. Ducati yet again, they're mad. You can tell already yet again, gives the same old excuse for not selling an electric motorcycle. Oh boy. Here we go. I can hear that ESG score dropping. Yeah, dude. Isn't it funny how like you can just tell right off the, the bat of with the headline, they're just pissed right away. Get down, Oz. Jeez, Ozzy just will not leave me alone right now. He's jumping all over. Like I keep pushing him down, and he's just driving me nuts. He's um, he's got a he's got a hot take on the electric bike market. Ah, <laughs> uh, dude, the wind's blowing, and he gets all fucking piss scared about the wind when the wind's blowing outside, and he's just losing his damn mind. Wants to be up on my lap right now, and it's just <laughs> leave me alone. I'm busy, dog. All right, Ducati still says it can't yet succeed to build electric motorcycles for consumers and blames its instability to supply uh, inability to supply an electric motorcycle on the current state of battery technology that's despite the company's parent group Volkswagen AG recent EV progress and despite uh and despite Takati itself now being the sole supplier of electric racing motorcycles to the FIM Motor E electric motorcycle racing series Last week, the company doubled down on pulling the brakes on electric motorcycles. Ducati North America CEO John Chickenneck, Chickenneck <laughs> recently <laughs> explained to Bloomberg that, quote, it's going to be some years before Ducati has a consumer electric motor- mo- motorcycle because, quote, the battery technology really isn't there. What do you think about that? It makes perfect sense. I mean, it, it explains probably the core reason of why the live wire either a failed or everybody just saw it was uh trained you know it was heading towards disaster and got out while they could or whatever the situation is uh one See, thing that i heard on on uh the episode with the motorcycle aesthetics guy um i think it was you was that was saying you view electric motorcycles as scooters something to that effect yeah. and and that that makes perfect sense i mean i don't know why they're 
pushing for manifest. I mean, the, obviously, the goal is to get away from fuel consumption and inter- internal combustion engines. Period. But uh, if their goal is fifteen minute cities, then why are they? You know, just uh, that's probably the biggest issue with a motor electric motorcycle is range and rate of but, recharge. So, but see, that's once you get over the hump of wanting to buy one. That's still like an engineering problem where you've still got this like consumer problem where people who ride fucking Harleys want a loud bike and this thing is quiet. And I I think it's really like, I agree with you that that's absolutely an issue, but that's like me and you, if you, if like that would be so far down on our list of why we wouldn't buy an electric motorcycle. Like (laughs) it's kind of a non-factor for a lot of people. Like it's an, it's a factor for people who are into electric bikes. I think there's a couple things that could be going on here. One is, I think that they're going to wait and see what happens with with the live wire. They're just gonna they're just gonna sit back and say, "Hey, let's see if if, if it sells for Harley, it'll sell for us." But they've already put the money into it. They put the R and D into it. Uh, let, let's see what happens. So it may not even have anything to do with the battery because, like you said, this is going to go to a uh, a liberal who wants to smell their own farts in a city South Park style. Like in, in San Francisco, this would not have been a problem for me. I could have rode that bike around San Francisco all fucking day. And yeah. it, it wouldn't have been an issue. I could have parked it when I got to work, plugged it in if I needed to or whatever. Like it wouldn't have been an issue. And I can see like, yeah, if that's their target audience, like why won't, why not buy the Harley? Why not buy the Zero? Let's Let's put some feelers out there and see what's actually going on here because it's a big investment huge yeah but it makes sense for ducati to just kind of sit back and see see how the dust settles on live wire and then you know uh make some make some choices from there without having to yeah yeah i think it's smart yeah i think it's smart like even if you think that it could be a seller like that even if you think all right we've got a banging bike it looks good it runs good but that's that's still after you've gotten over the hump of yeah. going electric. So yeah. if, even that. if you produce a good bike, the you got to have the demand, and the demand yeah. just yeah. might yeah. not be there. That that I still I want to ride one just to experience it. And oh sure. I, just like you said, it's got to be so weird to hit the throttle, and it's just like. Or, yeah, you know, probably not even that loud. It's just like, mm. yeah, it's not going to be a huge <laughs> change for, for motocross racer. I mean, I guess it kind of will, but I don't think it's going to be a, as big a difference as going from a 125 to a four stroke is like a 125. You just ride the bike completely different. I've been watch, like binge watching old races and like Mike Brown on a 125, just yeah. hanging off the back of the bike up the hills and just hammering. And it was just a different a different way of riding because you just had to have that thing pegged all the time. Yep. Otherwise you weren't yep. going anywhere. And once the two fifty Fs came out, then you could just be lazy. You know, I never really like learned how to ride a four stroke because I just, I never got a four fifty. The four fifties were still like fairly new when I was buying bikes. And like when I bought my two first two fifty F Kawasaki didn't even make a four fifty at the time. So I rode a two fifty four stroke and a two fifty two stroke. 
and I rode the bikes exactly the same. I would just peg the four, the 250 out and hammer the clutch, and I was going through plates like nobody's business. But, you know, it, it didn't really change all that much for me. On a 450, like, I rode a couple. When I would get on John's 450, I'd just be like, Jesus, this is this bike sucks. I never even really liked them because they were just so fast, and they were a lot heavier. I think going... 450 was one of the biggest mistakes that we have made in professional racing, period. Like, when they first put out the 400, they put out the 400 because they were like, man, this thing's going to be so fast, the AMA's probably going to make us bump it down. So let's just try to get in with the 400. But the AMA was just like, fuck it, we don't we don't give a shit. You can make it 500 <laughs> if you want to, which would have just been out of control. Like, these things have got 60, 450s have got 60 horsepower, like... I was just watching Dean Wilson's vlog the other day, and he was like, yeah, I got to detune the bike again. It's just I'm getting an arm pump, and we tried tuning it back up, and it's just really killing me. So we gotta de- we're going to try detuning again and messing with the suspension. It's like, detune? These are the fastest guys on the planet, and even they can't handle the whole fucking thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Justin Bogle used to pull hole shots on stock 450s, and it's – like, I think they should have gone 350. I think it would have been better for the sport overall. It would have led to less injuries. They would have chewed the tracks yeah. up a whole lot less. I mean, these 450s chew up a Supercross track in a few laps. They can't even keep a set of whoops going on a Supercross track right now. All right, so this brings me to our next subject. Usually, I just like to bitch and complain about fucking things that piss me off. And I do that all right. But I've got some solutions tonight, which is which is the change. So... I don't know if I've uh, if I've bitched about the Super Motocross series enough uh, enough for you to remember it yet, um, but essentially what they did this year is they combined Supercross and Motocross into one series, and then they added two playoff races and a finals race. So we've got three extra races this year. And all right, so let's look at this as a fan, and then I'll I'll talk about it as a rider. Like as a fan, you're going, oh, this is great. We get three extra races. You know, awesome. As a rider, you're looking at this and you're going, what the fuck, man? Three more races? I already don't get any time off. So, first round of Supercross, January 7th. You go all the way. You don't get a break between outdoors. You get like one week, I think, this year. Um, So, end of Supercross is May 13th. First motocross, May 27th. So you get two weeks to test or heal, whatever. Go on maybe a short trip with your family. (laughs) And outdoor ends October 14th. So you've got October 14th through the first of the year. I mean, the first week in the year. It's it's too much. And then, oh, I don't have the, yeah, yeah. Through the first year, that's the, that's the, uh, or October 14th is the end of the world championship. So I think as a fan, like people are looking at this in the wrong way. This is like high type time preference behavior. You're looking at instant gratification. I want another race. We want more races. We want like, it sucks. There was no races this weekend. There was no MXGP. There was no supercross. It sucks. It's boring. Like, I, I'm all into this shit, so, like, I'm watching all of the, you know, press guys do their podcasts, and, you know, I've listened to, like, five racing podcasts this week, and, and there's no races. So, like, I get it that it sucks when there's no races, but you got to give these guys some time off. 
I really yeah. think you yeah. got to give these guys some time off, and you got to look at how many injuries we've seen. Malcolm Stewart's injured. Half of Team Pro Circuit Kawasaki's injured right now. I mean, almost all of them. I, they've got Chris Bloss on the on the bench from the couch, like for, pulled him from the couch. Like you hmm. got to give these guys a little bit of time. They need to have some time off. They need to be able to go to Hawaii. They need to be. It, I mean, you get middle of October to first of January. What if you're getting on into a new bike? You get no time at all to figure that bike out. I mean, yep. Ken Roxon got on a new bike in the off season. I don't. I don't remember exactly when he signed on Suzuki, but he didn't figure a suspension out until like two weeks ago. He was still testing every fucking week. Up in, and I mean, we're on round thirteen now. Like he was yeah. testing through ten rounds. Like, come on, guys, we got to give these dudes some time. So I'm gonna give what I would have done had I have been the king at the AMA in this situation. And the way it, the way, like right now, if you pitch this to fans, it wouldn't work because they'd be like, "Well, you're gonna cut races?" Because I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to cut fucking races. That's what I would do. I would cut fucking races. But hear me out on cutting races. All right. And I mean, we've got good we've got good data on this too. Like look at NFL players and how they talk about the preseason. They hate it. They want it gone. We don't need this shit. We don't like we're practicing. Like we're not getting paid for this. We don't want to get hurt before these like get rid of it. They they've wanted it gone for years, but it stays because of cha-ching. It's four mm-hmm. extra weekends of, of games, baby. You got to yep. have that money. All right. So what I would do, I would probably cut it to 12 Supercross races, but we could go with, for 13 just for argument's sake. And this is what I would do. So I'm going to read off the cities that Supercross is in right now. We've got uh, Anaheim 1, Oakland, San Diego, Anaheim 2, Houston, Tampa, Arlington, that's AT&T Field, Daytona, Indy, Detroit, Seattle, Glendale, Atlanta, East Rutherford, New Jersey, that's where the Giants and and the Jets play, Uh, Nashville, Denver, Salt Lake. So here's what I would do. I would cut it down. We would have a couple of, like, stops that are going to be every year stops. So we do three on the West Coast, four on the West Coast, maybe. Um, three in the center of the country, three on the East Coast. So I've got Anaheim once. Stop with this two Anaheim bullshits. We need to create some buzz. You can't, like, Anaheim one tickets are always more expensive than Anaheim two. So people, yeah, we'll just wait for Anaheim two. And they're not even selling out these stadiums at this point. Like, you got to pull it back and give people something to to yearn for like, Oh man, we haven't had supercross in two fucking years. We're having supercross this year. Let's go. We're getting a hotel downtown. We're, we're taking the kids. We're getting them a separate room, you know, and, and we're going to have ourselves a weekend. And then you're jacked up for this thing. The kids are jacked up to go in the pits. It's not like, Oh, we're going to go to the pits again this year. They're going to get the same autographs from the same guys. We're going to throw all the crap away in, in a couple of years. Like, we need to have some fucking buzz here. So you pull it back. Anaheim 1, San Diego, Salt Lake City. I've got an asterisk next to Salt Lake City because I don't like Salt Lake City. The reason I've got it in there is because um, Supercross is like promoter. You know how like 
uh, UFC fights or, or like the Nevada Sports Commission or whatever. Utah is who Utah or is who Supercross does theirs through. So yeah. I would imagine Salt Lake would have to be one of the rounds for that to happen. So we'll keep Salt Lake. Arlington, Atlanta, Indy, Daytona, Tampa, New Jersey. Then what we do is we've got three to four rotating cities. You've got a big pool to pick from. And you can rotate these things out. And the way you do, and and I've I've got these set up because these are what I think would be best. But you would really have to look at your sales numbers. What yeah. stadiums are selling best? Which ones are not selling out? And you would have to kind of plan it in that way. So this could, you know, shuffle based on sales and everything like that. Rotation cities. Oakland, Seattle, Denver, Houston, San Antonio, Nashville, Detroit, Vegas. We've got to bring Vegas back every once in a while. And that's, yep. you know, if you do Vegas every two or three years, then you've got yourself an event. People, all right, we're going to Vegas this year. We're, we're packing up the kids. They're getting a separate hotel room. We're going to bring the strap on, and we're going to have ourselves a good fucking weekend. <laughs> and then we can pump in some new cities and test them out. Yeah. Uh, Florida... You know, you know, uh, Temecula is not the Mecca anymore. It used to be. Now it's it's moving over to Florida. So let's bring in Jacksonville. Let's try yeah. Portland, oh. Boise, where I'm at. You know, we got a lot a lot of bikes and a lot of pickups back here. And something tells me if they did it at, at the stadium, uh, the blue the blue field, I think it would sell out every couple years. Not every year. It wouldn't sell out every year because people, yeah, we did it. Like you know, let's let's wait, let's wait. Well, I'd say that's when that's when you do a couple uh, like experimental, you know, throw throw a couple straight rhythms in here and there with some I'm you know, bottom. I'm, bot I'm, okay, okay. I'm getting to that. Let's let's hold on a second here. All right. All right. Um, and then we need to pump in. We got to have Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We can't just be doing it in in the dome. Let's bring it out to the speedway. I like these speedway rounds that they're doing. I I like them better. I think they're more fun than I don't like a 48 second lap time. Give me a minute and a half. Let's make this thing a real track. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Talladega. Dude, we got to have Talladega. How do we not have Talladega? It's the it's one of the biggest races of the year. We got to do Talladega every once in a while. And on these we'll wait. We'll wait. All right. <laughs> motocross. We get we get to the motocross. We're keeping it the same. Maybe we even add one round. We might add make a twelve rounds, and because we need another floor, we need a Florida round. We gotta have Gainesville or something like that. Yeah. Again, it's the Mecca. We gotta have another round, and maybe you do an indie, uh, you know, an indie outdoor, different time of the year. Well, we'll, we'll get to that again too. All right. <laughs> now we we've got two playoff rounds. And we've got a finals. What are we missing? We're uh, missing the wild card. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're missing the wild card, man. And I think we could have between one and three wild card rounds. But the main wild card, I think this would be the best race of the year for everybody. I think the riders would enjoy it. And I think the fans would really fucking enjoy it. Sand race. Fucking beach <laughs> race, baby. And we do it. We do it. One moto, 90 minutes. No fucking around. We do it old school. One <laughs> moto, 90 minutes. These guys are going to have to pit. They're going to have to figure out when to pit. They're going to have to have extra parts because people are going to throw chains. You know, 
It's gonna be a it's gonna be a race. And because it's a wild card, hundred points. Hundred points for the win. And the top five go straight to the finals. And this is when you do it. You do it on a weekend when there is no MXGP. So that way you get maybe a Jeffrey Hurlings to come over, the best sand rider in the world. You know, these these guys over in Europe, they play around in sandboxes all fucking day. And then you get, hey, now we've got the, and we set up the finals on another weekend where there's no MXGP. So now maybe, hey, we got the best sand rider in the world showing up to a finals where there's going to be a lot of sand. And we get some cross-pollination here instead of just, because with, with adding three extra races, you're, what, what else are we missing? The motocross of nations. When are these guys going to have any time to do the motocross of nations? They yeah. like it's already almost impossible to do. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we start using retired guys for the motocross of nations. It's going to happen. Like guys are, dude. It's. I wish I could still ride. Like I might try it, but like, dude, guys who are retiring now are still. Mike Brown is still out winning races. He's fifty years old. He's the fastest vet to ever do it. Like he could probably still qualify and 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 run a top 10 for a while in a moto right now. So they're going to be using <laughs> guys be like this, you know, like yeah. it just, it sucks. And then if we do, here's my other idea for a wild card GP Lake. El- Let's bring back the Lake Elsinore GP hundred miles, maybe a hundred points, maybe less points. Maybe we do it for fun. Maybe we do it like a team race where you got uh, the first guy in points the last guy in points and the middle guy in points. And then you got uh, number two, number two, number, you know what I mean? And, yeah, and you do yeah. some sort of uh, team race where maybe everybody's out at the same time. Maybe you do uh, a baton race where, you know, different guys are going at different times. And like you said, uh, straight rhythm. I'm sure they could work it out with straight rhythm to make it a points race. The, the thing that I worry about that, I would almost rather leave it how it is because I would rather these guys have fun at straight rhythm then like all right we need to test we need to you know do yeah. the whole fucking thing because once you put points on the line everything changes so it would probably be best to leave straight rhythm the way it is but i don't know i think it would i think it would make dude imagine how fun it would be if they did a sand race on Miami Beach they build grandstands they bring in a little bit of dirt so it's not pure you know beach sand but you could pack, yeah. you know, 50,000 people in there, no problem, onto a beach. You can make it as long as you want, you know. People can show up in their boats and watch from boats and shit. It would be, be cool. an event, and yeah. that's what we have to produce is events because they're still, like, operating on this old model of somebody's going to be flipping through the channels on Sunday morning and come across racing and they're going to think it's the coolest thing in the world and they're going to go out and they're going to buy a bike and they're going to buy their kids a bike and we're going to have a new generation. It's not going to happen, guys. Like, that's just the old fucking days of gatekeeping media. It's not going to happen. Like, they're on on um, Peacock right now. I wonder how much money they're losing by putting it on Peacock compared yeah. to their own site. Like... Uh, the guys over in Europe, like people in Europe all over the world watch Supercross and Motocross in America. It's not just Americans, you know. It's the pinnacle of the sport. All of these guys are watching all over the world, and they don't yeah. have Peacock over there. They're using the website. And, you know. Or even, even uh, go ahead. just give, give, it, uh, give it away for free 
and then mm. do that for a season. Generate go value the, for value. The hype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go value for value. Send us uh, some you money wanna, if you, you want to support bring, us. Yeah, you want to bring get people 1% back of the, to the people. Sport. Yeah, yeah. One percent of the people will kick back. But I mean, you could set it up like the AMA. Yeah, you could go value for value, and then what you do, you build your own app, and like vlogs are popular right now. All these a lot of riders have vlogs, and it's helping them out a lot. Like Kevin Morantz is one of the top privateers in the 450 class right now. He runs a blog. He does a deal where if you sign, uh, send him a hundred bucks, he writes your name on his bike. How oh, fucking nice. cool! Is, what a great fucking cool. idea yeah. that is, you know. And he's bringing in. This is value for value. You like what I do. You want to see me do better. Send me that money. I'll shout you out on the on the you know on the vlog. Pure value for value. I love that. If they made an app, you you can bring. Hey, instead of going on YouTube, why don't you bring it on our app? We'll pay you a yeah. hundred grand a season for your vlog. And like so, right now, uh. Ricky Carmichael and Ryan Villapoto just started their own podcast. Not. It's not their own podcast. It's on NBC Sports. Like, what the fuck are you doing? You got two of the greatest to ever do it, That's, having a yeah. podcast on NBC Sports. How fucking stupid is that? Have it on your own fucking thing. It's just wild. Then you can have your YouTube channel. You can release clips. Here's a 10-minute clip of Ricky talking about last week what uh, Ken Roxon could have done better. And then, hey, you want to have the full episode? Super Motocross app, baby. And and then all your sponsors are going straight to you. Yeah. Straight to you. You don't have to deal with any of this gatekeeping media bullshit because nobody's watching Peacock. I don't know if this is a newsflash <laughs> to people, but nobody's watching. It's wild. Like, uh, they need... They need better direction. This is why I wish I could just go out and make a dent in the business world because I would go get a job for Feld or for the AMA and and just really fucking hammer hard on this is what we need to do. This and and you know work my way up and maybe make some fucking calls at some point. But it's not hard to be an influence in a company yeah. like this. You just have to have the right person's ear and you have to have the right message delivered in the right way. You got to have somebody that can talk, you know, and, and just, I really feel like they're shooting themselves in the foot in a lot of ways. And they're leaving a lot on the table that they could be putting back into the races. You know, it costs a hundred grand for a racetrack to hold a national. They pay to have a national held at their fucking track. Oh, wow. Meanwhile, how much do you think it costs the AMA to rent a fucking uh, uh, a stadium for the weekend. I I don't even know. Thousands. It's got to be thousands and thousands of dollars. There's no way yeah, yeah. that oh, Arlington geez. Stadium is paying to have a Supercross race. Hey, we're gonna let you. Uh, we're gonna pay you to come in and put dirt all over our floor. Yeah, right, <laughs> dude. They're fucking raking it in for having these races. I mean, you could build. Stop charging the hundred grand and just hold it there and then set up a contract with these people. All right, that hundred grand that you were going to pay us, we want that to go into grandstands, covered grandstands, misters, the whole fucking deal. Rain gutters in case it's raining. We need to 
you know, put in new new drainage tubing. We need to let the track drain. We could do so. Imagine what a track could do with a hundred grand a year. Maybe put water in the pits. You've been to Washougal with us. There's no fucking water in the pits. You have to go down to the to the river to have a bath. It's ridiculous. I, I liked going down to the river. Don't get me wrong. That yeah, was some yeah, of the funnest yeah. times we've ever had. Uh, <laughs> dude, you remember the the minivan? Oh, the the rent the Shrentel. That rental where I was oh, just yeah. pegged out on the limiter on a dirt road for like ten miles. And Allegedly. it was like it was ninety nine, right? I think it was ninety nine. Yeah. And then the next day Al gets in the fucking car with us and he's like, How fast do you think this is going? I was like, it can go ninety nine on this road. He's like, No, it can't. Like, yeah, I doubt it can. We fucking did it all day yesterday. And then he goes and gets a flat tire like an asshole. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> oh, that that was when we went out and uh there was that little like sketchy cliff jump into the little the little rock pool, right? Yeah, that was sick. Yeah, that little oasis there out in the yeah. fucking in the backwoods. Great spot. I mean, God, the most beautiful track on the West Coast by far. I mean, you you compare Washougal and Kahia Creek, and it's just like, ugh. right? <laughs> yeah, Kahia Creek's a fucking desert shithole. It's a great track, yeah. but you know, <laughs> a complete fucking shithole of a desert. All right. What else do I got? And, you know, like, this is something I was talking about earlier. This is the last thing, and then we'll move on. Um, they can't keep the tracks together. So maybe yeah. do some things to fuck around with a track. Let's try some joker lines and some mud pits. And maybe, like, uh, maybe some company. This is, again, if I was into doing business right now, this is something I'd be working on. Let's make some fake whoops. That'll hold up for an entire fucking... I mean, you could come Something. together with some sort yeah, of yeah. rubber material and you Technology build them out and days. they just... Yeah. yeah, and they just don't... And they don't change. Maybe you don't want that all the time. Maybe you just want it sometimes. That every every once in a while, you throw it in and around. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, there's things you could do to spice it up. And then, like, you got to get rid of this fucking... You remember... I don't know if you remember this, but they do an East-West Supercross. You got the East Coast yeah, and the West yeah, Coast. Yeah. Get rid of that shit for the 250s. Get fucking rid of it. You do. They do futures now. This is something they didn't do when you were going to races with me. So futures is it's like an invitational where uh, younger guys go and do a Supercross race. You could do that at every round. You could do it in the outdoors at every round instead of having this bullshit East West thing. So we can have you know more privateers up in the race is fine. Just let the, let them all bang it out on futures. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's different ways that you could build this thing up, but you know, I think that's about all I got on that. <laughs> At least I, you can't say I don't bring some <laughs> solutions to the table, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. What do we got next? How about some climate change? You want to talk climate change? <laughs> Here's yeah, a fun one. California garbage truck seeks electrification exemption last uh, after last bad gas investment. <laughs> <laughs> so the garbage trucks, which run on gas, yep. are already saying, hey, man, we're not going to be able to do this electric thing. And, you know, if I had to guess, I would imagine they're probably going to get the exemption. You won't get the exemption, 
but they'll get the exemption. That's the way it goes. Garbage controls yep. everything else, right? Yep. And it's not just the garbage. And you're right. That's a big point, that the garbage controls everything else if the garbage stops going out. But yeah, they're going to get the exemption. It's not like, yeah. I don't think they even make an electric garbage truck at this point. I've never seen one. That seems like something that would be like elevated into top news, you know? Yeah. Oh, here, we have to have this. This is great. This is amazing. Blah, blah. The whole fucking thing. There would be all these articles. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, look at how great this is. It's going to save the planet. So, yeah, I would imagine they don't even make one at this point. So, that shows how smart the fucking politicians and these people on, you know, the cardboard are. Is they're, they're demanding you use something that doesn't exist. <laughs> well, they're they're demanding that, that the people use something that, you know, the basic... Uh, um, um, you know, uh, electrical system can't even, um, support yet. So it's the yeah. same thing. Like start with the foundations of uh support network for this goal you want to have. And then let's go from there, but you go at it just totally ass backwards. It's not about actually helping the environment. It's about forcing everybody to spend their money to be in compliance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and speaking of electrical systems can't support it, caravan parks can't cope with rising numbers of electric cars. This is in, in uh, Europe. Holiday park owners, I love it how they call them holiday park, where it's like the <laughs> shittiest fucking place that you could ever imagine living in. It's a holiday. We love it. We're having fun over here. Yeah, yeah. Holiday park owners have wanted the government, oh, excuse me, have warned the government they will not be able to cope with rising numbers of electric cars. And this is happening even in California. I remember there was a guy on Rogan a while back. He was a car guy. Fuck. I can't remember his name. I'm retard. But anyways, uh, he was building a luxury car storage place in L.A. So if you own a bunch of cars in L.A. and you don't have a driveway, you don't have a garage because you're a fucking idiot, you can store your, your cars at my place. So he said, I want to put in, uh, I, it was like two or three charging banks of 10 chargers for Teslas. And he goes and applies to the city, and they're like, all right, you can have one. And he's like, no, I want three. And they're like, no, you can have one. He's like, well, well I'll, I'll pay you extra. Like, what's the problem? What are we talking here? I can grease some palms. What's going on? They're like, no, no, no. We don't have the energy to give you three. You can have one. <laughs> I, I remember hearing that. Yeah. It, it makes no sense. It's ridiculous. You, you try to you try to you know go above and beyond for what they're what they're wanting you to go down, and you can't even you know somebody that wants to support the he cause. Was playing, yeah, he was playing the game. Here, yeah. I'm going to make this luxury car facility, and we're going to aim it towards people buying electric vehicles. He's playing the fucking game, and I mean, talk about like a red pilling. You, oh, <laughs> this is never going to happen. <laughs> oh uh, yeah and speaking of never gonna happen uh as you know i've been railing about wind energy since the beginning of this fucking podcast saying it's never gonna happen and i think it's gonna take a while but at some point the academics are gonna start catching up with this so interesting article wind power fails on every count oxford scientist explains the math and, of course, I had to go to the Epoch Times to find this. You would think, you know, the New York Times might be interested in something like this. But no, Epoch Times. All right. 
All right, so let's just go, you know, they do the whole thing. Wind power. Quote, today modern technology is deployed to harvest these weak sources of energy. Vast farms that monopolize the natural environment are built to determine, uh, to the detriment of other creatures. Developments are made regardless of the damage wrought. Hydroelectric schemes, enormous turbines, and square miles of solar panels are constructed despite being unreliable and ineffective, ineffective, even unnecessary. And this is from, you know, I think Harvard is, I mean, Oxford is a reputable source. I mean, for now, and unless somebody, unless, well, I mean, the, this guy will be fired and, and out of, out of media at some point here in the near future. Right. <laughs> he, he's going to be found having shot himself twice in the head. Yeah, and once from, in the chest from three feet away, and the gun's yeah. gonna be down the down the road. <laughs> yep. I don't remember which which Hillary Clinton uh, staffer or whatever it was that was found yep. like yep. Uh, with a bullet in the back of their head with no yep. uh, gunpowder residue around the wound that had been the body had been dragged like twenty feet and oh, yeah. the gun to was a tree. not. Yeah, and the gun wasn't even found. They couldn't find the gun when they got on the scene of the crime. Yeah. But then another police department showed up and found it, like thirty yards away or some bullshit like that. It's like, yeah, did, <laughs> this is what, did, didn't that, this is what you did, get for? Didn't that guy like sh supposedly shoot himself in the chest or something with a shotgun too? Wasn't yeah, there? and then drug himself thirty feet before and he then shot, shot himself, himself in the, the back with a different gun or something <laughs> like that. <Yeah. laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Today, modern technologies... Oh, I already read that one. In particular, the generation of electricity by wind tells a disappointing story. The political enthusiasm and the investor hype are not supported by the evidence, even for offshore wind, which can be deployed out of sight of the infamous not-in-my-backyard people. Uh, what does such evidence actually say? And then they blah, 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 blah. It takes a lot of wind turbines. It's going to take a ton of space. It's going to kill a ton of birds. Quote, that should be quite unacceptable to those who care about birds and other environmentalists. All right. What do we got? Because the power carried by the wind depends on the third power of the wind speed. If the wind drops to half speed, the power available drops by a factor of eight. Almost worse, if the wind speed doubles, the power delivered goes up eight times. As a result, turbines must be turned off. So there's actually, people don't know this about wind turbines. They can pump out too much power just as uh, as easily as they can pump out not enough power. So you worked on, you just went and learned about some electrical systems. What happens if you hook up a 24-volt battery to a 12-volt battery system? <laughs> Things get hot. Yeah, it fries. Yeah, You get smoke. You might get fire, and you got to get a new uh, wiring harness because you just hosted everything in your system. And the problem with this, so like this happened in um, Washington a few years ago. So they've got a big gorge out there that's got a ton of uh, uh, hydroelectric energy and a ton of windmills. And they got this huge storm that came through, dumped a ton of wind, and dumped a ton of rain. So at one point, their entire grid was overheating because there was just too much power being pumped into it. 
and they call up these wind companies and go, hey, you got to turn these turbines off. And they go, no, no, what are you talking about? We're fucking making money right now. It's like, hey, man, we can't have it. And the problem is, is these these wind turbines are all owned by offshore European companies. So you're dealing with somebody who doesn't give a shit what happens to your grid as long as they get paid. And as long as that thing is turning, they're getting paid. So they don't want to turn these things off, you know, and... It's a big mess. You get bureaucracy stacked on top of bureaucracy, and you get these... And people are under the, the assumption that, like, we just have one big power grid that's controlled by one room in Washington, D.C. Some one guy pulls the fucking levers and everything gets... No, this is like a cobbled together... This is the biggest machine on the planet. The North American grid is the biggest machine on the planet. And it's all cobbled together, like... Bubblegum and duct tape. I mean, this is, you've got 50 year old technology, 70 year old technology, brand new technology trying to all come together and do the same thing. Uh, this is what I was taught. I don't know if you listened to, um, what was the guy? Guy, Guy Morris. Uh, I was, I was a little bit critical of his book. Um, I didn't really like come out hard on him on it, but like he had a cyber attack where the grid goes, where, they needed to restart the entire grid and do like a 10 minute restart to flush out the system. And I, and I, I was kind of telling, Hey man, look, this is, that's not something you can just do. Like if, if it goes out, you got to start from one place you need, essentially you need hydroelectric is the only way you're going to be able to do a black start because you've got moving water. I mean, wind is not going to produce enough in the right time. It's not going to be, unless you're in like, you know, the stars align with your wind system and you're getting the right thing at the right, like for the most part, you got to have hydroelectric is the only way you can do it because after a, a considerable amount of time being out, your generators are out of fuel. And if your grid's down, nobody's coming around to, to refuel you after a while. So there's not really a way that you can just turn it off and turn it back on again. Like that doesn't happen. Like it would take probably weeks to turn the whole thing back on. You've got to establish a crank path. So you got to get everything humming at the right at the right uh, frequency. We do 60 hertz here in America. They do 50 over in Europe. So like people, a lot of times when they get to Europe, uh, they'll get bad headaches and they'll have a, a rough couple days and they'll blame it on jet lag. But a lot of times huh. it's because of the difference in frequency. So like, wow, again, people don't know this, but electric the lights are actually not on all the time. They're turning on and off 60 times a second. So you That's drop crazy. it down to 50, yeah. and it, that strobe fucks with you a little bit more. And it, you, you can't really see it because it happens so fast. Yeah. You know? But the mind the mind gets still gets fucked with on it. That's insane. But uh, anyways, let's see. With general energy shortages, the war in Europe, high prices, and the likelihood of failures in electricity supply, many popular scientific presumptions underlying energy policy should be questioned wind power wind power fails on every count he concluded yeah oh wait there's one more great quote this is from somebody else but this is good it is somehow managed uh they're talking about um climate industrial complex this guy's calls it which i like that climate industrial complex that's a good one um it has somehow managed to convince many that CO2 in the atmosphere, a gas necessary for life on Earth, one which we exhale with every breath, 
is an environmental poison. Multiple scientific theories and measurements show there is no climate crisis. Uh, and then he, he continues, over the period of human civilization, the temperature has oscillated between quite a, a few warm and cold periods, with many of the warm periods being warmer than today. During geological times, it and carbon dioxide levels have been all over the place with no correlation between them. And this kind of lines up with like Randall Carlson, where he shows how when they're measuring, they start from the 1800s with storms because there was a dip in storms in um, power and um, how many there were. There was there was a big dip yeah. at that time period. So they start measuring from there. So, oh, my God, they're up so much. You know what I mean? And then they yeah. discount the little ice age w- with temperature. And when you when you look at you know temperature over the last twelve thousand years, it's all over the fucking place. The younger Dryas was fucking crazy, you know. So, I thought that was interesting. And they, and it's wild to me that these people still aren't picking up on the transmission line argument that I've been making. It seems like such an easy, basic thing, but. Every time, like, I listen to all of these top-end people on Joe Rogan or Jordan Peterson, or all these guys who study this shit, nobody talks about the transmission line. Still to this day, I have not heard one person bring it up. And then, like, the, I've heard one person say that he was looking into it because he knew it was an issue. Yeah. But then they, they completely discount that, like, we don't have the people. We're... We don't have the fucking people to do this thing. You know, when I was in school, 50% of the the electrical industry was within five years of retirement. Maybe it was 10 years. And I mean, I went to school five years ago, seven years. Well, no, almost 10 years ago now. Time does fly. (laughs) But I found that same stat in a book about the grid that was a Bill Gates recommendation. So this is, I think this is a real stat. This is not something that, the college is making up to hype you up and, and to recruit people. I think this is a real stat. And like when I was, I'm still going to write an article on this transmission system. I haven't really quite figured out how I'm going to word it all and everything like that, but I'm, I'm going to get this thing together on an article at some point and put it on, on the too hard for the radio sub stack. Um, it's a nightmare when you start, like you start crunching some of the numbers and you just go, dude, you have to start using like scientific notation where it's like instead of doing two, you know, two billion times 40, it's like 10 to the fourth <laughs> times yeah. this. And it's like you're counting now zero. It gets out of control. Like there's no way that this could ever be paid for. No fucking way. Well, and the I way mean, they print money these days. Yeah. And, dude, I sent you a, a funny video earlier today on Instagram. I don't know if you saw it, but there was this lineman up on top of a tower. He was Chinese or he was Asian. So he was getting the job done. And uh, he was up on this tower, and he was just, like, grabbing a pelican or whatever this thing was by its oh, neck. yeah, yeah. And yeah. shoving it into a bag. Like, get the fuck off of our pole. And he just tosses it on his back and climbs down the fucking tower. And it's like, yeah, dude, that's how you should act in a responsible country. Take the birds somewhere else. Here, we have fucking protests. And they yeah. can't even yeah, find yeah, yeah. the bird. All they, we have protests over a nest. There's, no, there's not even a bird. 
the and they go, part, Bill, they... you need to move your transmission line. And they think that they're going to put 420,000 miles of transmission lines in this country by the end of the decade. It's fucking crazy. It makes no yeah. sense. Like, yeah. I just don't understand how there's not more smart people looking into this and going, oh, this is fucking crazy. This is this is ridiculous. Like, we got to find it. Because, like... What happens to all these crazy fucking people who think that the world's going to end 10 years from now when nothing's happened, when nothing's changed? <laughs> like, that's going to be a, a yeah. difficult problem to deal with because these people are going to be going out of their fucking minds. They're going to keep moving the goalposts, moving the goalposts, and they'll act like things are worse than they are. But, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day and somebody said they were in, in Jamaica and they were like down on the beach and they were asking their drink guy, hey, man, how long have you been working here? He's like, got oh, 30 years. And they were like, how long has the water level been right there? And he's like, the entire time. It's never moved. Yeah. The, the, I was going to say the funny thing about that, uh, that video, the dude, uh, I want to say that was a stork. But uh, funny mm-hmm. thing they don't show you is dude takes it home and. Boils it up and oh yeah, you probably ate it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) here I am thinking he transported it somewhere and let it go. It's fucking dinner, baby. (laughs) Hell yeah! All right, man. On that, we are out of here. Thank you. Good night.